Coming up on this special episode of An Older Gay Guy Show. So this is On My Own from Les Miserables. And this is for Nichols. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. As always, thank you so much for joining me today. The episode that I'm bringing you today is not the episode that I had planned on doing for you this week. However, circumstances have dictated that uh, this is the time that I should do this. However, before we get into today's show, I do just want to ask a favor of you. I... (laughs) It's almost pointless at this point, I think, but um, if you do enjoy this show, if you enjoy the majority of the episodes, if you regularly listen to me, I could certainly use your support in voting for me for the podcast awards for 2020. I don't know that I have any chance now of getting into the finals of this year's awards, I have been in the finals the last two years, but I was supposed to be promoting it all month long to try to get the maximum listeners to vote for me. However, as I'll explain in this episode, I have just not been able to do that. And so I only asked you last week, and I'll ask you this week as well, um, if you do enjoy my show and you want to give back, the one thing that you can give back to me would be to vote for me in the podcast awards. And it's really simple to do. You can just take a moment to do it, please. Um, If you go to podcastawards.com and you click on the blue banner that says nominate your favorite show, and then you register and you go to the voting page, I am in two categories this year the LGBTQ category, and the People's Choice category. If you could please look at the drop-down menu, vote for an older gay guy show, and then save your vote at the bottom of the page, I would truly appreciate your vote for this. As I said, I'm way behind this year, so I don't know as that. I will even get in the finals, but 2020 has, well, late 2019 all the way till now has just been such a shit year for me in so many ways, as it is with many, many other people, of course. But with the end of last year with my tongue cancer leading into everything that's happened in 2020, it's, it's been a really bad time for me. So, yeah, I'm so enthusiastic here to ask for your vote. Um, at this point, I, I, I'm i not sure that I would be in the finals. But if you could, please, uh, please go to podcastawards.com and vote for me. Thank you. You might hear my cat, Pooh, meowing just a moment ago. And uh, she's been pretty attentive to me in the last day or so. Please forgive me if I'm scattered in my talk today. Um, I 
it's been very difficult uh, last couple of weeks, and I don't want this to be a depressing show. So therefore, I'm going to present what I have to present as much in an uplifting, uh, joyful way that I can, because it really is that it's just been difficult. Um, so to set up what I'm about to play for you is um, I'm actually doing an, a small excerpt from another show that I had previously done. The reason I'm doing that today is because um, two weeks ago, I noticed that one of my cats, Nichols, had been losing a great deal of weight over the course of a month or so. And I had plans to bring him to the vet to be checked, but of course, with COVID and all of the weird rules that are going on, they were only seeing really, really sick animals for a while. And they just opened up that they would see uh, animals for regular checks. So uh, Paco and I brought my cat Nichols to the vet two weeks ago, and he examined the cat. It's so weird because you can't go into the vet's office. You pass them the carrier from the outside. They go in, they examine, do whatever they do. Then they come back out to talk to you. And he came back out to tell me that that it's just about time that he be put to sleep. And that came as a great shock to me. Although I shouldn't have been shocked. He was... Uh, 16, almost 17 years old, just shy of 17 years old. And, um, but it was a shock. And he wanted just right then and there to take my cat for me never to see again from that moment, not even to say goodbye, and to put the cat down. And I said, I, I can't possibly do that. And so we brought Nichols home, and I had told him I was going to look into home euthanasia. And Paco and I got some signs that were optimistic, that he was eating, that he was um, uh, getting a little bit more energetic. And so we had a lot of hope, and we spent the last couple of weeks doing everything we possibly could to help him eat and drink and gain weight. And it seemed better, then it got a little worse, then it seemed better again, then it got a little worse. And finally, when I weighed him two days ago, he was only four and a half pounds. And so I had to make the difficult decision. And... Um, what I want to, to play for you is an excerpt from a previous show called Pet Family that I did way back at the beginning. It was number 18 out of my shows that I had done on an older gay guy show. And um, it tells you the story of Nick and my finding him and what we went through over the course of um, at the time I recorded this, it was in 2016, so it was four years ago, um, what we had been through up until then, and then there is more to the story. And so I wanted to play that excerpt for you uh, as a tribute 
to my beautiful Nichols. And, um, yeah, and, and I, I, it's a nice story. I think you'll enjoy the story. And uh, I will come back at the end of that and kind of give you an update of what happened. And for any of you that have animals and that your animals are your children and how, you know, we do our best to take care of them as they take care of us at the same time, emotionally, mentally. And um, so, um, yeah, I want to tell you a, a little bit about what I was able to arrange because... Isn't it, 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 all I've been thinking about in the last 24 hours has been like, if you, if you were going to meet the great love of your life, your boyfriend or your husband or whatever, and you learned that, okay, this is going to be the most intense loving relationship of your life. You are going to put everything you have into it. And you're going to get double that back in your boyfriend or husband's love for you. But you were told you would only have 16 years together. And then your partner would either leave you or die. And it would crush you. And you would go through, of course, horrible torment and pain, would you, at the start of that, would you say, yes, I want to go into this for 16 years knowing that my heart's going to be broken at the end? Or for anyone that might be listening that has children, if you were told, okay, you can have a child, but your child's only going to be with you for 16 years, and then that child is going to die or your child is going to get so sick that you have to make the decision for them to pull the plug on your child. Would you, would you still have that child for that amount of time? And I've been just like wrestling with these ideas of trying to understand, okay, how do, how do our animals, how do our pets fit into this differently? Because when we get them, we know that we have them for X amount of time. And Beyond that, we don't know, but we know that their lives are going to be far shorter than ours are, and we will have to make this horrible decision to have them put to sleep. And, you know, as gay folks, we, we, we get to know these animals as a part of us, more so than a straight guy would. Mostly, I mean, I don't want to say that's true across the board, but mostly, especially if we're single gay guys, we become so attached to our animals that the loss of them is as great as it would be to lose one of those family members. This was harder for me than any medical diagnosis I had in all my life, including my cancer, including my HIV, including everything it was harder than losing my parents because I was young at the time and I had my whole life ahead of me and things to look forward to and plans to make. It kept me 
busy at the time without thinking about my parents. And that's why it took so many years for it to catch up to me to when I had to deal with my parents' deaths. So I want to play that section of Pet Family for you. And then I want to come back at the end and talk a little bit more to you. I don't want you to listen to the story and think about the fact that this animal got so sick, had to go to sleep. I want you to listen to this story and be as excited and enthusiastic and joyful as I was during all of his medical stuff. And it's a great story, I think. It's a story I'm going to write also. But So if you would bear with me, please, um, I hope that you will enjoy this and I will be back at the end. And then uh, I will get back to regular shows <laughs> starting next week. The title of today's episode is Nichols' Story. I am Joey Hernandez. Thank you for joining me today. And I had intended eventually that, yes, I was going to go get another cat from the shelter, but I didn't really know when that was going to be. So another date, you know, that sticks in my, my mind, that would stick in your brain if you're an animal adoption person. On December 6th, I was going up to the post office to mail something. And as I was walking down this side street near me, I noticed that there was a little cat over by a fence across the street. And I, I really didn't notice anything about it. It was like, oh yeah, there's a cat. That's nice. And I went on up to the post office, which is like another minute and a half walk. I did my business at the post office. And as I was coming back, um, I was on that same side of the street I had been before. And I was walking along and I came up to where the cat had been. And I noticed it was just a few feet away from there. It was still right on the sidewalk against this chain link fence. And there were these two girls that were pushing a stroller. And one of them stopped and said, wait a, wait a second, there's a kitty here. And the girl bent down to the cat and she said really loudly, oh my God, oh gross. It's, it's got all blood all over it. And, oh, it's, it's a gross cat. And they kind of hurried along their way. And as they were going, this little cat, it wasn't a kitten, it was a, it was a cat, but it was a very, very, very small cat. The cat was walking on three legs. One of the legs was tucked up under... Uh, his belly, and he was kind of limping after the girls that were pushing away, meowing at them. And I stopped on the other side of the street, and I, I watched this. And I, if if you're not an animal person, you will never understand what I'm about to say. And if you are, you'll know exactly what I'm saying. 
But I looked at that cat and I just knew in my heart I could make a difference for that life. And in the, in the passing of milliseconds, probably, it ran through my brain about all of the things in life that we, we don't have the ability to change, that we hope will change, that we pray will change. But I knew that I could change just this one, one thing. So I went over t- to the cat, and I'm, I'm, I tend to be kind of um, careful with animals. So I bent down, and I just put my hand out for the kitty to sniff. And then once the cat rubbed against my fingers, I began to, to rub him a little bit more. And he seemed very gentle. And he was meowing and rubbing up against me. And I could see that one of his legs was damaged and tucked up under him. And he had no whiskers. Um, I later learned his whiskers had been cut off by some asshole. And so he seemed very tame. So what I had originally thought was, okay, I'm going to take the cat to the vet and see what's wrong. And then I'm going to give the cat to a shelter to have someone adopt him. It wasn't running through my mind about keeping him. So I had a winter coat on and it was December 6th. And it was one of those days, if you live in a snow environment, you know this. It's one of those days when you walk outside and just your footsteps make this crunching noise that lets you know it's like zero degrees out. It's a, it's a different crunch than if it was 31 degrees out. You know, it, it's this really bitter, bitter, bitter cold. And it was one of those days. And I had on a very large black padded jacket. It was an aviator jacket and it was very padded. And so I picked the kitty up and he didn't resist me. And so I put him inside my coat and zipped up my coat, leaving his head sticking out the opening at my chest. And I said to him, okay, we're going to go on a little adventure. (laughs) That's what we're doing. And so we're walking along and, you know, I'm a little bizarre (laughs) in case you haven't learned that. And I'm kind of chatting with him like, oh, look, what are you looking at? Oh, yeah, that's a car. And we're walking along and I'm trying to be as cheerful as possible with the cat. And his head's just going around and he's looking amazed like he's never seen. I, I guess probably at the height I was holding him, that's not the usual visual sight that a cat would have. They would normally obviously be down on the sidewalk. So he was just like fascinated. It was only about uh, three blocks until I got back to my house. And I brought him in and I laid him down on the floor of my kitchen. And I went upstairs and grabbed my housemate because he's really into animals and he has gotten rescue animals before. And I showed him the leg and he's like, oh, you know, that's really serious. You really got to take care of that somehow. You got to take him to the vet and whatever. So I kind of washed the leg off a little bit, but it was, it was mangled. It was really mangled. And I got out a can of cat food that Pooh had, one of, you know, a wet can of cat food. And 
I put it in a bowl and he just like lunged out of my arms and just gobbled this up in two minutes. And so I gave him like another half a can, which he ate completely again. And this poor little kitty was so small and so sick that I could see the food in his distended belly. I mean, it, it was a noticeable lump that wasn't there before, before I, I brought the cat back. Okay, so this is probably the part that you need to be an animal person to really understand. But once he was full, he went over to one of the radiators in my room. Now, this was December 6th, so it was very cold. And he curled up next to the radiator and he fell asleep. And I could just tell by the way that he laid there and he would twitch in his sleep that life had been really hard for this cat. And I went back to my original thought that I had before I went over and picked him up, that here is a life, one small, probably what people would consider to be an insignificant life, but for me it was a very important life, and I knew that I could make a change. And I laid down and I was petting him a little bit. He was really nervous about that. I, I could tell he had been on his own and he had been attacked by an animal and he was very, he, he was very affectionate, but if you caught him off guard, he was very scared. But I was petting him and he looked up at me and I, th I, I said out loud to him, that no matter what happened in my life, in the future, that I promise you to this little, this little soul, I promise you, you won't be hurt again and you will be safe. And... <laughs> Three quarters of you just shut off the podcast. And I meant that. I meant I was going to take whatever journey was necessary with this cat. So I brought the cat to back to this animal rescue league because I knew that they were also um, doctors there to see animals that are injured. And I had him evaluated. And his leg was broken in three places. He had been abused, his whiskers had been cut off, so his navigation was thrown off. Uh, it, there were other signs that he was really sick. And the, and the vet said, literally, it, considering the temperature outside, 24 hours later, the cat would have been dead. And I know it, everybody else in the whole world would have done exactly what I did. But the journey was so life-changing for me. So once I heard that the cat was that injured, and they were quoting me like $2,000 to repair the cat's leg, I was just thinking, oh my God, there's no way I can financially do that. I can't come up with that kind of money. There's no way possible. So they did send me to a, the 
Animal Hospital, Angel Memorial Hospital here in Boston. Great, great, great hospital for emergency and um, serious things that need to be done to animals. And they had some various programs that I qualified for so that they could assist me in the $2,000 that I needed for the cat. So I decided it was worth it to do that. And yes, please, you know, help me out and I'll come up with all the money I have. So I used up the small amount of savings that I had managed somehow to put together at that point. And thus began a weekly thing where I would have to bring Nick back to the hospital every week to have his bandage changed once he had some metal pins put into his leg to allow it to heal. And then at the conclusion of the healing, the pins were removed. And I had to bring him every week. It was a Tuesday thing. And we would go and we'd take two subways and a bus to get to the hospital. And we'd do the little thing for 45 minutes, you know, change the bandage, and then a bus and two subways back. It was like my Tuesday thing. I cleared my schedule, nothing else on Tuesday. And this went on for months. You know, he, he went in at the end of January and it was, it was the beginning of summer before it all started to slow down. So once that was all done, it was just a matter of putting a cone on him and waiting until the leg healed enough that skin grew over all of the areas so he wouldn't lick it and open it. But that took a really long time. And me being me, I would sometimes take the cone off and allow him to lay in my lap. And then he'd lick it a little bit and I'd try not to let him do it. And but I knew that I knew the poor thing had been through so much. I just I just wanted him to have whatever the hell he wanted. You know, not only had he been abused and went through the attacks that happened on him, but he also had to go and have this operation done. So I was really trying to be good to him. And then the leg healed and he did really, really well for about three years. And then after that, um, what was later told me was that, that Nick, I named him Nick or Nichols, he had, um, had such trauma in his life that he started blocking up in his urinary tract. And I kept having to rush him to the hospital and have him cleared and opened back up so that he could pee. The poor thing would stand in the litter box in a crouched position and just wait and wait and wait and nothing would come out. He was miserable. So it was an emergency to have him unplugged. And it happened three times in a row, like within a week of each other. And the hospital had a policy that on the third blockage, they would have to do what's called a perineal urethrostomy, where they would lit literally take his dick and balls off and make an opening like a female has so that he could pee that way. And that operation was another few thousand. And he also required special prescription food. He could only eat the prescription food, which was costly as well. But it was worth every penny. That's all I kept thinking. It was worth every single penny to me.
that I was spending this money, but what I was getting back was far more, far, far, far more than what I was spending. So that operation cost another few thousand, and there were many trips to the hospital for checks and, and all of that, but it, it, it was perfect. It, it, it was perfect. This little boy cat, and I became so bonded. I mean, I was such a nervous wreck every time he was having appointments to have something done. So then a lot of time passed. He needed some dental work, a um, little bit of this and that, not too, too bad. And then unusually he blocked up again after he had already had this operation. So we had to change his food even more, more strictly than he had been before. Then fast forward another two years and he had licked his leg where the operation had initially been so much that it opened the skin. It was right on the elbow part of where the cat has like, it's a little point and bones are right there and just, just a little skin and fur over it. But because he had had the operation, it was skin there, but no fur. So he would lick it and lick it and lick it and lick it. He was obsessed with licking because I think he had been traumatized so much with the accidents and the attacks. So he opened a little point of skin and when it got to the point where it was about the size of say half the size of a dime, I became very worried that he was going to open up the whole leg. So I took him to a vet and the vet said, okay, you know, we'll bandage the leg each week and we'll put ointment on and hopefully it'll heal up. So the vet was doing that over and over again for 10 weeks and it was closing, 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 closing. It was right down to the last part and I took the cat on a day that I got a different vet at that particular place. And when she went to remove the bandage to change it, and probably not her fault, a lot of skin came off his leg at the same time. A, a lot of skin. So the muscle of the leg was exposed. And the only option I had was for a skin graft. And that was the most expensive operation. So I was with my husband at the time already and he helped me out and we used a lot of money that we had put away and paid for this. And it was a lot to have bandage changes. It went back to about every 10 days for I'd say five months or so before the leg was done. And then the leg was totally healed and it was wonderful. He still to this day licks the leg and I still look at him and say, Nick, be a good boy. And he stops and he turns and he gets away from it. Uh, the cost of what Nick has had done over these years has just surpassed $21,000. I say that because, and just before I hit record, I was thinking this, that's the cost of a car, right? In monetary terms, if you think about $21,000, I mean, that's a car, right? Not the biggest car in the world, but a car. And a car you have for a couple of years and you run it around and you 
half the time don't even think about it. It's just a vehicle to get you from one point to another. But for that same amount of money, I have this little life that has been through so much and he's still the most joyful, playful, happy cat that I've ever seen in my life. Even when he only had three legs and one of his legs was tucked up underneath him, he would limp and chase my female cat with playing around and gently biting her ear to get her to scream. And then she'd run off and kind of, if he's not following her, she'd wait and, you know, tease him and get him to run after. They both love, love, love each other. And from the moment I, from the first night I brought him back to my house, he was chasing my female cat, <laughs> even though he was on three legs and just had started eating again. He's just a joy. And for the same amount that one would spend on a car that you don't even think about and two or three years later, you probably get another one. I've had this life in my hands for 12 years almost 12 years. And it's the greatest feeling. And so when those commercials come on with Sarah McLaughlin and all of that, you know, you can make a difference in a life. If you're a parent and you have kids, yeah, you can make differences in their lives, obviously, as you raise them. But for those of us that are childless, these pets are the lives that are in our hands. These animals are totally dependent upon us. And the love that they give back is unconditional. And if you open your mind and your heart to it, it's just an amazing, amazing love that you get back. And so I do ask if you are thinking of getting an animal, please do so from a local non-kill animal shelter. And if you see an animal that's trapped, try to help the animal, try to get the animal to safety or call someone that can do that. Don't just close your mind and eyes to what's going on around you. There's a lot of awful things in the world that I know you obviously are prioritized and they, and they should be, but it doesn't negate the fact that we can make a change in these little lives that just want to be happy and be loved just like we do. And it's something that we can do. It's something that we have control over. You can donate money, you can volunteer, you can adopt an animal, and that would make all the difference in your world as it did mine. So happy ending, Nick's happy. He's sitting right on my desk in front of me right now, and he's absolutely adorable and happy as can be, and Pooh is sleeping over on the couch, curled up and happy as can be. So happy note it finishes on. I just want you to know that if you have to go through circumstances with animals, 
it's worth it. Every penny and every moment of your time is worth it. I promise you. I remember so well that day that I was recording that and Nick was sitting right on my desk and he was just so happy and so healthy. Unfortunately, Nick did not stay healthy the entire time. He had that perineal urethrostomy, which is when they literally cut his dick and balls off and make a surgical opening like a female has. He did pretty good for a number of years, but then a year or so after I did that pet family recording, he started blocking up again, which is supposed to be almost impossible once you have a perineal urethrostomy. But the doctor thought that he had been so traumatized when he had been attacked and found those years ago, and then, of course, through all of the different operations he had, that he had crystals in his bladder that would cause this blockage. And because they had told me he could not block up again, I took him off his prescription food. I was just giving him wet food, making sure he always had wet food, no dry food. Because with male cats, the dry food can bring about the blockage. And so I was just feeding him regular friskies, wet food, like I do my female cat. And then, strangely enough, he did block up. So the first time I had him unblocked, and that was about another $800 or so, they cautioned me and said that he should be back on his prescription food only. And so I immediately put him back on that. And then about two months after that, he blocked up again. And we went to the hospital, and they said, okay, well, we can unblock him again, but if he's blocking up and he's on the prescription food, uh, we would really suggest maybe that you, you put him to sleep at this time. And I said, um, I, I looked at Paco and I said, I, I, I don't know what to do. This is costing so much money. And he's already this age and maybe I should let him go. And I started, I was, I was just, just bawling my eyes out. And Paco looked to the doctor and said, unblock him. Uh, we're going to make sure that he only has the prescription food and we're going to make sure he gets plenty of water and we can make this work. And I looked at Paco and I said, honey, are you sure? This is like another $800 to have him unblocked and then the prescription food is, is like $50 a month. And, and he's like, yes, he is our little boy. And yes, I'm going to take care of whatever is necessary to keep him healthy. My husband is the greatest man that I have ever known. And I am blessed every day that he is in my life. He's just so wonderful. And so we unblocked him and we brought him home. And uh, he just did amazing for another couple of years or so. He never blocked again. And then he started to lose the weight, and the vet said it was probably cancer. 
Uh, he said his kidneys were really small. He was dehydrated. Um, he probably had cancer in his thyroid because he had been on thyroid pills. And he said, don't even bother with the thyroid pills anymore. You know, um, if you're going to arrange for a home euthanasia, you know, don't put him through that. And so we stopped it and brought him home. And I was just a mess. I mean, I the only escape I had was to record the show that I recorded last week. I said, you know what, I'm going to escape. I'm going to do this episode without thinking about anything else. And I have to admit, last week's episode kind of sucked. It wasn't where I wanted it to be. It, it, it was not the episode I wanted. So I apologize for that. But we spent two weeks working with him because he got a little bit better and suddenly he had an appetite once his his pills were out of his system. He had an appetite and he was eating and eating, not huge amounts because he was so small, he was five pounds, but he was eating and he was drinking water. And so I got thinking, well, maybe we can bring him back, you know, maybe we can bring him back. And that lasted a few days. And then he started not eating. And I weighed him, and he was then under five pounds. And Parker, when I talked about it, and my female cat is on the same thyroid medication. And she had gotten very, very thin also when I was, I was panicked about that. But we, we upped her dosage of the thyroid pill per my vet, and she's gained all her weight back. And she is lively to, to this moment, lively, and, and she can't jump. And I just discovered that she's completely deaf. But she's cuddly and purrs and eats and drinks and just everything is, is going so well. So I said to Paco, maybe if maybe we've been giving him too much of that medication because he's so low in weight. And Paco said, yes, maybe if we cut the dosage really far down, it'll stimulate his appetite again. And so we gave him the pill for a few days and nothing was happening. And so we took him back off the pill again and he still wasn't eating or drinking. He, he, he was desperate to eat. I mean, he would come every time there was food and smell it, and I would give him all his favorite, favorite foods, uh, all the ones that are bad for him, cream cheese, American cheese, tuna, uh, cooked steak. Uh, we were really giving him, like, everything that he would want, and he would come to it and want it and, like, just put his nose down to it and just walk away and not eat anything at all no matter what it was. And then I realized that I weighed him again and he had dropped even more weight and I could just see that he was in pain, that it was an effort. He, he, kept, he kept pulling himself up onto our big king-size bed and he would cuddle with us. He was cuddling all the time, but he just, 
he, he wouldn't eat, even though he was really interested in food. And so we made the decision that we would do something. We would, we would call a vet and have them come to the house in a few days. And it got so bad the other night that I, I was just a basket case. I said to Paco, I, I think we have to let him go now. And Paco agreed. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to call a vet tomorrow and find one that will come to the house and euthanize him so we don't have to put him back in the carrier and bring him to a vet hospital and hand him over and not be there when it happens, not be with him when it happens. And I looked up a few, and one of them had the most restrictive rules that, you know, you can't be in the room when it's done, but she would do it at your house on, like, the kitchen table if you had all of these various alcohols and wipes and gloves and masks and all this stuff available, and... Uh, she had she had to park her car as close as possible. You were not allowed under any circumstances to go out to her car. It was just all this stuff. And I thought, well, I'll use her as a last a last possibility. I found another one, texted her. That was what was asked to text her. She responded a few hours later that she was away and couldn't do it. But then I did find one the next morning, yesterday morning. I tried this other one. I texted to her. I texted her about 10.15, and she got back to me at 10.30 yesterday morning. And we talked on the phone, and I told her, you know, I need this done. He's in pain. He's, he's only four and a half pounds. Uh, he can't last I can't put him through it anymore. And I told her about this other vet that had all these restrictions. And she's like, she said, I'm about to go to someone's house right now. I don't have those restrictions. And I had left a message on the phone for her that said, you know, I, no one in this house has been sick, even close to it. I haven't left the house in four months. And, um, you know, we have masks and all that. And she said, as long as no one's been sick there, you're going to wear masks. Everything is fine. And I said, well, can it be done in the bedroom? And she's like, of course. And I said, well, can I be there? It's really important that we be there. She said, absolutely. She said, you can be right with him, petting him as it's done. And she said, I have to go to this appointment at 11 o'clock, but I can squeeze you in and be there between 12 and 12.30. And it was now about quarter of 11. So I said, thank you. That's, yes, thank you. And we hung up and I just, oh my God, I just started wailing uncontrollably and Paco came and held me and I said we only we only have an hour and a half left with him and so 
I took a shower quickly because I hadn't showered in a few days because I was so just, I just couldn't. And uh, Paco said, the rest of the time you spend with him, I'll take care of everything. I'll get everything ready. I'll get our masks uh, ready and I'll bring, I'll, I'll have gloves in case she needs that. I'll get it all. Just stay with Nick. And after he did a little bit, he came and we spent about an hour or so with him. Um, and I kept watching for her car, knowing that uh, I needed to greet her at the door. Then she arrived, and we went over some paperwork and paid. It was uh, $700, um, but it was worth every, every single penny. In fact, I'm sending her a $100 check as a tip. I forgot to do it that day. And she, um, she came in and she gave Nichols a, a shot that was a relaxer, kind of like you'd get before you go into surgery. And she said, he, you know, in a couple minutes, he's going to be pretty out of it, but he is aware of things going on. You just won't see him moving much. And she did that, and she said, I'm going to leave the room now. I'll go sit in the living room and take as much time as you want, and then when you're ready, call me, and I will come back in. And so we spent about 10 minutes with him, talking to him, stroking him. And after we had said our goodbyes, I called her, and she came in, and she turned his body so his head was right, looking at us. <clears throat> A little hard to talk about. And, um, you know, sorry. I wasn't going to do this on this show. And I kept saying to him, oh, fuck. I kept saying to him, Mom, you know, watch us. And you got to go over the Rainbow Bridge. And <sighs> sorry. And it was done really quickly. And he didn't do any movements. And she used a stethoscope and she checked and his heart had stopped. And then uh, she said, I'm going to leave you more time. And when you're ready, come back out. Let me know, and then uh, she she said, I'll, "I'll take him." And so we again held him, you know, in our arms, and we wrapped him in his favorite blanket. And uh, I asked her if I could carry him out to her car in this blanket. She said, "Absolutely." And so she went out to the car ahead of time, and Paco and I held him in the blanket. I actually filmed a video of the whole thing, certainly not to ever put onto YouTube, but for our own memory. And uh, I carried him out and I put him on the stretcher and covered him with his blanket. And she said that she's going to the crematorium right then and there. And in a week, uh, we, we will get a call that the ashes will be ready and... I, I asked for them to be shipped to me, and she said they'll do a paw print of him, and 
Uh, they'll cut some fur off for you. And um, it was great. It was, I mean, it was great. It wasn't great. It was, it, it was as good as it can be. And for any of you that think you, you know, you have to go to the vet and go through this. I mean, even, even if COVID wasn't around, for those of you that think you have to go to the vet and have it done on this table and, you know, your animals are going to be panicked somewhat, but um, you can have it done in your house. Yes, it's, it's more expensive, but your animal's able to be in the regular environment with you, with things that he or she loves. And it's just such, oh, I can't tell you how great this doctor was. She's, she's, she's out of Boston. My doctor's name was uh, Christina Kincaid, and she worked actually for a place called Boston Home Pet Euthanasia. But it's a network of, I believe, a national company called Pet loss at home, pet loss at home. And I think they probably all go by the same kinds of procedures. And if you need to have it done, I highly recommend her. Um, she's great. So, yeah. So um, thank you for bearing with me through this episode. I know it's been a little all over the place and bizarre. I want to finish in a way that I know is really different. Um, there's been a song that's been running through my mind for a couple days now. It's On My Own from Les Miserables. And although that's a love song, a woman singing it about an actual man, um, so many of the words were resonating with me these last couple days. And... As I sat down to record this section that I'm talking to you right now, I took a little break and I did literally a one take um, on this song. And I wouldn't normally put something like this out so raw like this, so um, without much adjustment or multiple takes to get it right. I just thought I would finish this episode with this song. And... Um, Definitely listen to this through headphones and crank it up a bit if you want the full effect. Again, one take. It's not the best. So this is On My Own from Les Miserables. And this is for Nichols.
streets are full of starlight And all I see is him and me forever and forever And I know it's only in my mind That I'm talking to myself and not to him And although I know that he is blind, still I say there's a way for us. I love him, but when the night is over, he is gone, the river's just a Sponsor AdamMail.com. Go to AdamMail.com. Get 50% off almost any one item with free shipping. Use the code AOGGS on checkout. I will be back next week, ladies and gentlemen, with a regular episode. Thank you for joining me. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.